0: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast, take two, along with Matt Eddy, this is John Manuel, coming to you from the BA Podcast Nook, and we're sponsored by MLB Network, MLB Network's special offer at the Baseball America store on BaseballAmerica.com. It's uh, four issues for $4 at the Baseball America online store at BaseballAmerica.com, and Matt, uh, we will all be at the winter meetings next uh, next week, uh, it's been a quiet Uh, winner, kind of hot stove so far in baseball this year. Uh, The Marlins have been active with a lot of trades. Uh, We've had Juan Uribe as the big free agent signing so far with the Dodgers. I think the part that you and I are most excited about, of course, is the Rule 5 draft. Uh, We we have a little Rule 5 fever every year. It builds the closer you get to the Rule 5. I'm always grumpy Rule 5 guy writing the Rule 5 preview, and then we get the Rule 5 preview gets out online and it gets released to the hounds and the Everybody starts feeding us back more information, and then the, I start getting a little Rule Five fever. I kind of like the way it builds up to to, to this year Orlando. You're, you, uh, would you call yourself a Rule Five junkie, or do you just have interest in the Rule Five?
1: Uh, you know, I'm more interested in the the 40 man roster aspect of it. You are you know, right? who's yeah. on and who's not.
0: Uh, what's that section? Uh, that subsection of the transactions blog called Rules and rules Procedures? And <laughs> procedures. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Rules and Procedures link <laughs> on the transactions blog. You are interested in the Rules and Procedures and how guys get protected on the 40-man and how they don't. And I think he did a really, if you haven't read it, uh, it's a fascinating article, I think, kind of breaking down the last 10 years of Rule Fives, a decade of Rule 5 drafts, and uh, and how it's changed in the last four Rule 5s. And this is the fifth year of the current rule, the common era, as it were, of the Rule 5 draft. And the bottom line, Matt, is that it's really hard to find. It's a lot harder now to find talent in these current rules. And the amazing thing is two of the best Rule 5 picks ever, were found in the first year of these yeah. new rules in Josh Hamilton and Joachim Soria. But since
1: then, it's been much slimmer pickings in the Rule 5. Yeah, you wonder if teams uh, just didn't know what to expect, you know? I mean, we have to we have to think back to what the world looked like in December 06. Josh Hamilton had, had missed three seasons completely and had 50 at-bats in right. the New York Penn
0: League. 50 at-bats in New York Penn League. And he got hurt at the end of that. That's right. I actually just talked to a scout today about that, how that went down. And you know, a fascinating backstory about Josh Hamilton and about... Uh, and yeah, the Cubs ended up drafting him, and then trading him to the Reds, and kind of a little bit of how that went down. And uh, you know, people had seen there was so little information on Josh Hamilton, and nobody really knew if he'd turn things around for real or not. And exactly, we hear so many stories, and you hear, you know, I think everybody's read their own Josh Hamilton story of just how bedraggled he was, how he looked, how wasted away he was, and now when you see him, I mean, basically. Uh, you know Bryce Harper gets compared to him, and it's not always it's not always favorable for Bryce Harper, and that's that's hard. You have to be a special talent. Uh, now, obviously, American League MVP, and then Soria, a guy who uh, fits, I think, is a much more common tale. Latin American pitcher, mm-hmm. uh, harder to evaluate because he hasn't pitched in the United States in domestic le- domestic leagues very much. he had been loaned out by the Padres to a Mexican league. Uh, club, correct? Correct. And then had a big winner really, the, the first month of winter ball leading up to the Rule 5 draft.
1: Yeah, and it's it's easy to forget now that he was released by the Dodgers. I had for, completely and, forgotten And that. he missed a year for Tommy John surgery. I did and, not know that. In the season he got drafted in the Rule 5, he made seven appearances in low A, you know? <laughs> wow. That's just amazing. I mean, that's just amazing scouting, just trusting the makeup of the player you talked about in take one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about... About how you're looking for, looking for a player with a carrying tool right. and that's, the competitive that's the makeup that's right. to survive. And and I think, uh, obviously, both those teams are right on Soria and Hamilton.
0: Yeah. Josh Hamilton, a little bit more obvious because of the, the tools. There's more than one carrying tool there. Yeah. It was all the makeup. Yeah. But Joachim Soria, that's, that's incredible scouting. And I think more people think about when they think Rule 5... Um, people like me think old-school uh, George Taco Bell or Kelly Gruber. Yeah, the Pat Gillick's teams were really good at the Rule 5. Hmm. Uh, Blue Jays, I think he was active with the Rule 5 when he had the Mariners. He was active with the Rule 5 with the Phillies. Hmm. Um, uh, so there's certain teams that are more active in the Rule 5 than others. And the Yankees, we talked about in, t- in Take 1, have been surprisingly active in recent years. Um, and, and not only that, but they take guys like well, last year trading up for the first pick in the Rule 5 draft and taking guys to target a specific big league need, which is really strange. That you, Really, you can't find that in your $200 million budget? <laughs> I think it's really strange that the Yankees have chosen to do that, um, and they're over two in those specific cases with uh, Jamie Hoffman and uh, Josh Phelps. Uh, that's right. Yeah. But last year, like you wrote, I mean, I, I think we all thought at the time, well, that's kind of a coup for the Nationals. Brian Bruni's a useful big league reliever, and they traded – they acquired for the rights of the first overall pick of the Rule 5, and yet Brian, Brian Bruni uh, dropped a giant stink bomb in Washington. He did. He was awful.
1: <laughs> but would you, um, when you look at the success stories of that draft, though, uh, maybe the Nationals were smart, you know?
0: Yeah, because there, there, was there, there, there were success? There really story? wasn't.
1: The guys to stick were Hector Ombres, that's right. hurt most of the year, that's Car- right. Carlos Monasterios. Who's, who was the success of this draft, That's right, uh, Kanakoa Teixeira, and David Herndon.
0: I think uh, Kanakoa Teixeira is the one we always remember because his name is Kanakoa Teixeira. So, <laughs> uh, uh, that, that that one uh, sticks out to me. But, yeah, I mean, Carlos Monasterios is one of the most successful guys out of that draft for sure and has a chance to be a success long term. But, I mean, uh, there's going to be few people who will come out of that Rule 5 and make as much of an impact as he did. And he, all he had was, what, like 80 innings? In the big leagues. I mean, it wasn't like he made some great impact. That said, we still devoted like 1,700, 2,000 words. To a Rule Five preview with uh, 25 players, and we keep on getting more uh, for a Rule
1: Five preview. So let's. Uh, yeah. Who are some of these players that really stood out to you?
0: Well, the thing was, well, Monasterios, uh made 13 big league starts last year, which is amazing, and I think we both agree that there are some guys who could make uh, big league starts uh, in 2010, uh, 2011, um, in, in the Rule Five. Uh, one of them, uh, actually, I'm kind of audibly here a little bit, was Scott Diamond, mm-hmm. left-hander of the Braves from... Uh, Binghamton. That's right, I and mean, he's an NDFA. That's right. Which we love. Uh, one,
1: he was the Beachy before there was a Brandon Beachy.
0: That's right. I mean, I think that we love... Uh, that's one of the things we like the best, I think, is that he's a uh, non-drafted free agent. Yeah. Um, and a good one. Uh, a guy who's got some AAA experience. He's a lefty with some pitch feel. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that if you're looking for a left-handed pitcher to be your fifth starter you're going to do a lot worse than Scott Diamond to come in and at least compete for a job. And, again, the the cost is $50,000. I think the one that we thought was the most intriguing right-handed starter, the most likely guy to get picked, was Anuri Rodriguez of the Rays organization. And the fascinating part was that, basically, the Rays chose to protect Matt Bush, the 2004 number one overall pick in the draft, infamously, um, now a right-handed pitcher. They chose to protect oft-injured, I'm Matt effing Bush, uh, twice arrested in that bush, at least that what I remember, and instead they exposed Anuri Rodriguez. Why do you think they did that, man? I mean, Putting your put, pretend you're Andrew Friedman. Explain to me why you do that.
1: Okay. Uh, pretend
0: you're Chaim Bloom and you're arguing that in the room because Chaim is uh, the baseball operation guy. I think yeah. I'm not pronouncing his name right. Yeah.
1: Um. Was more fun I, th- to say. I think what what we hit upon in, in take one of this podcast was <laughs> that right. uh, the Rays have an abundance of starting depth, uh, whereas. You know they, they probably don't have somebody like um, Matt Bush, who if, if the stars align, could be this year's Grant for. You know? Right. Yeah. You know you got a guy who throws hard and well, he throws hard.
0: He catch lightning in a bottle oh, and uh, you know you, how great does your makeup have to be to be a relief pitcher? You know just show up every day. That's been a problem for Matt Bush, but when he has shown up, when he has pitched, when he has been healthy, he has a special arm. When he was drafted as a shortstop in 2004, his best tool was his arm. Was a yeah. 70 arm, and he's athletic, uh, somewhat so anyway, and. uh it's fascinating to me. Whereas uh, Rodriguez is a guy who I think everyone thought the projection would happen with that pitcher's body and the stuff would improve. And really, it's more like three fringe average to average pitches and some pitchability. It's a back of the rotation profile. But if Carlos Monasterios can make 13 starts for a team that was in contention for most of the year, mm-hmm. um, I think that Anuri Rodriguez can. And I think Scott Diamond has an outside shot at that. Yep. Um, you know, what well, guy we did not mention in take one, Matt, but one of the biggest prospects who's on the Rule 5 eligibles list. Adam Miller, the right-hander of the Indians, who actually threw briefly in instructional league, what was he a four-time number one prospect for the Indian system? How many times did Chris Klein rank this guy number one? <laughs> it's not Chris's fault. But uh, Adam Miller, who had just electric stuff yeah. uh, when he was healthy, but has not really been healthy for the better part of four seasons.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, first, yeah, there he is number one prospect from 2005 to 2008. Who did you like on the eligibles list? Who you think might get popped?
1: Okay, I think uh, when you look at the, the Orioles leaving two of their top ten prospects off the off the 40-man roster entirely, and setting that roster at 35, and leaving Win Pelzer and Ryan Adams exposed, I think, well, I don't know exactly what to think. It's it's a pretty strong indictment.
0: You hope the Orioles are active with free agents, you know, <laughs> or make a one for five trade. You know, maybe they got Von Hayes stuck in their roster somewhere. <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna deal him because it is surprising. Uh, for them not to protect, especially a guy like Pelzer. Ryan Adams, I understand, Mm -hmm. whether he sticks or not, you know, that's debatable. Or Brandon Waring, whom they didn't protect as well. Brandon Waring has as much power as anybody on that eligibles list, and he did hit a lot of home runs in A, but he also struck out 179 times. So his chances of success in the big leagues, I think, are small. But when Pelzer didn't make sense to me, I mean, they just gave up. They got him from Miguel Tejada. He see they may be a little invested in him. Yep. And, uh... He throws hard. He throws power stuff and he's got a good split. His slider comes and goes, but you know, last year in the Cali, we talked the people who thought he could start.
1: Yep, that's right. Um
0: and he started most of the year in Double-A uh for the Padres. So, very surprising the Orioles made that decision to me and uh you know, I made a parallel in the article that maybe this is going to be like 2003 Pittsburgh all over again where the you know, Pirates, you know, it was like a, it was like a joke. Every player picked was picked from the Pirates organization. Five and they of the top even, six. Yeah, and they weren't even a good farm system at the time. And of course, one of them was Jose Batista, who they traded through four different organizations <laughs> to get back. They pursued him, you know, hunted him down like the dog he is. And and once they had him, he didn't perform for them. They let him go for what Robinson Diaz. Robinson Diaz. That's right. <laughs> yuck, yuck. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. So it's uh, the Rule Five collegians in very very different places. Um, I'm not sure who else you liked. Uh, out of the eligibles list, Matt, but I know we talked about Matt, Dan Ugla again as a guy that we've referenced over and over again when it comes to the Rule 5. A guy that we did talk about in the Take 1 that is lost to history was Brad Emus as maybe a, there just aren't that many bats. You had the percentages broken down. It's really a pitcher-heavy uh, exercise the last four years, correct?
1: Yeah, uh, last last four years uh, since the rules have changed to the, to the way they currently are. Uh, 73% of players selected in the Rule Five draft are have been pitchers. Um, uh, 52% of the total pool right-handers and 21% left-handers.
0: And I guess that that mirrors, you know, what your your ratio is of right-handers and left-handers in the game. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but one out of every five players that gets Rule Five is a left-handed pitcher. That's um, true. Yeah. So and you've had some guys uh, like a, a Wesley Wright as a recent left-hander suge- uh, success story. Are there other left-hander success stories, or are he the one who really sticks out?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm looking back here. Uh, uh, Jay Marshall stuck with the A's in 2007. That's right. uh, He might be the only other one. That's, that's unbelievable. But but last year, uh, let's see, 09, um, Ben Snyder, Edgar, that's right. Edgar Osuna, Zach Cranky, and Chuck Lovgren. That's all right. were retained by the drafting team. That's right. The it, trades. they
0: trades. Exactly. All, all the deal here or there. And Chronicy didn't even have to be returned, I don't think, to the Yankees. He was a special case.
1: It would have been a second time through waivers. So he could have declared free agency at that point. So the Diamondbacks compromised and gave him a 40-man spot.
0: That's it. And he pitched, uh, yeah. he pitched in the big leagues late in the year, yeah. if I recall correctly, for a, uh, obviously a team that was not uh, doing so hot. Um, but some of the left-handers, I, I ran a couple of left-handed uh, Latin pitchers who haven't gone out of A-ball it's those kind of guys, I think, who you could lose. A guy like an Edgar Ibarra for the Twins, a Luis Avilon for the Braves. You know, Avilon's a guy who's been up to 93, 94 from the left side at times. Um, you know, uh, pitch, he's pitching in winter ball. Edgar Ibarra pitching in winter ball uh, has shown three three pitches. So it's those kind of guys who I think there are targets, and guys who do get targeted specifically in winter ball and get scouted in winter ball. And one of the next steps as we prepare for next week is really – now that we have really a week and a half, two weeks more of statistics to go through the, the winter ball stats and see who's really performing down there and try to find some scouts who've done some winter ball scouting who will give you some information because more likely my experience has been the guys who are scouting winter ball, they don't want to talk until after the Rule 5 because that's one of the reasons they're down there in the Dominican and Mexico or Puerto Rico or wherever uh, to start you know the in November and early, early December. They're down there. Targeting Rule Five guys, and they don't want anyone else to know about it. So that's right. Um, it's it's tough to get that information out of people this time of year. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about with this uh, Matt and on our Rule Five podcast uh, before we get to some questions is that uh, you know the position players who do get taken, uh, the one one of the recent success stories have been guys up the middle. Uh, Everett Cabrera really sticks out. Ugla kind of stuck out. You know, Brad Emus is a guy from this year's pool who might get taken even though he doesn't really run. Um, you know, do you think, that, I guess, what's more likely for one of these guys to come out and be a regular out of the Rule 5 or just kind of be in that kind of like the Yankees approach of fitting a specific role, maybe an extra player? We mentioned on take one about a Stephen Vote as a great role player type, uh, left-handed
1: hitting catcher, first baseman, corner outfield type. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, uh, Steve Vote's a good one. But uh, as to Emis, you know, he's, He's a bit stretched at second. I know that might not be an issue for a, for a team drafting at the top who's probably going to finish lower in the standings anyway, you know. Right, might give, right. Might give him a chance to add him to the organization. But, you know, Emus is probably, probably more of a third base bat, you know. Maybe, you know, at his best, 50 hit, 50 power. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I don't know if he's fair. got quite that much power, but...
0: He, he, You know, he, he hit some home runs this year. I think it was a career high, but nine of those ten home runs at A came at Cashman Field.
1: In Vegas, yeah. And so he was in
0: Vegas, pretty offensive environment. I mean, you know better than I do how offensive an environment that is. Um, but it's surprising to me that he was left uh, unprotected. Also, if he gets Rule 5 if Scott Campbell tried to become the first New Zealander to make it to the big leagues, he's eligible And uh, I don't even know if he plays anymore this year, but uh, he's a Rule 5 eligible guy. Maybe he sneaks into the big leagues and gets uh, New Zealand a big leaguer uh, via the Rule 5 route. That didn't happen for Travis Wilson, the old Braves uh, New Zealand guy. (laughs) I'm always looking for little quirks uh, on that side on the the Rule 5. And we talked about the left-handers. You know, Robert Fish was a guy that we talked about also. We should have mentioned him. Uh guy that you wrote up uh,
1: in the Angels list.
0: I, I forget. Had he made your top 30, your prelim top 30. He's
1: not in the prelim. Uh, he got hit really hard in double A. Yeah, I, really opt, I opted for another left-handed reliever who I won't reveal his identity. Nice. But, um,
0: really hard, meaning like a 90RA almost, wasn't it? Yeah. It was pretty bad.
1: I mean, he throws 95. The mechanics are pretty violent. It's going to be tough for him to throw secondary stuff.
0: But I think one thing that but, we, th- one thing we have talked about, I don't think performance matters as much in the Rule 5, which is that's surprising. Right. That this is a tools-year draft, where you think the amateur draft will be all tools and not much performance, but people performance scout on the amateur side. Mm-hmm. And here are guys playing professional baseball, and they're tools scouting almost exclusively. There you go. Because a guy like Fish, I think we think he is interesting, or a guy like uh-huh. Tim Wood, yep. a guy like Elvin Ramirez. These are interesting guys. Big power arms, Matt Bush. Obviously, the Rays feared losing him, despite the fact that he has no performance track record. Really, for six years, <laughs> you know, that really that really bothers me. Would, that that would pre- that
1: be more surprising than Josh Hamilton? Yeah, you think if Matt Bush were to uh, wow, if you, if, if he had know. gone through this process and succeeded,
0: I don't know. I think he would not be more surprising than Josh Hamilton because he got arrested twice, but. We did see the flash of Matt. Josh Hamilton had played for one month in four years. I don't know. That's a great question because Josh Hamilton was a legitimate number one overall pick, whereas Matt Bush was a compromise. Oh, my God, we can't afford these other guys. Let's draft this guy. So, well-documented, obviously. And speaking of him, did you see that Chief Gaten has been hired as a pro scout by the Cardinals?
1: Really? Yeah.
0: That was in Tracy Ringlesby's uh, most recent column in uh, the latest issue of Baseball America, which has Mike Trout on the cover, your first cover story, as you said. Great inside joke. I love that inside joke. Uh, no one else in on the staff has been caught that one, and fewer people on this podcast will catch it. It's the Baseball America podcast with John and Matt. We have some questions on the Twitter that we should go ahead and get to uh, about the Rule 5. Um, one of them Well, who will the Mets look at from our resident Mets fan, NYMets945. I think it's not so much the Mets will look at guys. I don't know what the track record of their new regime is, but to me, uh, you know, I don't think the Rule 5 is their first area of uh, discussion. I will say it wouldn't shock me, and it happens a lot, Matt, that guys from uh, outside organizations, when they go to new organizations, they take guys from their old organizations. Mm. Like if Sandy Alderson took, and, and Paul DePodesta took guys from the Padres, where they both most recently worked. Yep. Obviously, Sandy was in NLE before that, but for, only for a year. It wouldn't shock us if they took some Padres. So you're
1: saying they're going to take Nick Schmidt in the first and then Brad Emis in
0: the second. Awesome. Right? That's it. JP Ricciardi. JP Ricciardi, exactly. <laughs> that would be awesome if they did that. We'd be b- blogging the heck out of that one. <laughs> or tweeting. And I guess in 2011, 2010, we don't have to live blog. We'll just tweet the, the yeah. Rule 5 uh, picks. That'll
1: be thought. interesting. Well, tweet every AAA uh, Rule 5 pick.
0: That'll be special to <laughs> the at Eddie MK uh, Twitter feed. <laughs> um, Go Brokes, uh asks about Jeremy Horst. Um. Did he? Does he get picked? And can he stick with a team? I say no and no. Uh, my answer is there. You know, Jeremy Horse is efficient. We did get a chance to see him, I believe, in the postseason. And I know uh, Ben Badler saw a lot of the Carolina Mudcats, the Double A team that Jeremy pitched most of the season with. Um. You know, he's a pitchability feel left-hander. I mean there are better pitchability feel left-handers out there. I'd take Scott, Scott Diamond, Diamond over him yeah. as an example. But someone else might like Jeremy Horse. My guess is no. The touch and feel left-handers are usually not guys who get popped too high unless you really think they can stick in that fifth spot. I'm thinking of, like, John Halama types, and yeah. I just don't see those kind of guys being uh, popped too often in the Rule 5.
1: Nope. Uh, um, yeah, this, it's your Wesley Wrights and your Donald Veals. Those, those are the kinds of guys you could take in, That's right, your big-armed you know? guys.
0: Yeah. Um, yep. Another guy, uh, another Twitter question. <clears throat> who do you think is most likely to get plucked from the Orioles system? Specifically wondering about a buddy of mine, Pat Egan, I did see Egan in the fall league. He's kind of a big, uh, goofy-looking fella, if I may say so. Uh, <laughs> kind of look in the mirror here. But a big-bodied guy, Pat Egan, pitched some in the big leagues this year. I think he's well down their list of guys who could get popped after a win Pelzer, after maybe a Ryan Adams, after maybe even a Brandon Waring. Uh, but he is a right-hander with some arm strength. That wouldn't stun me mm-hmm. if Pat Egan got taken. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a Pat Egan aficionado or not. Do you know much about that? I'm not a Pat
1: Egan aficionado. All
0: right. But we also have uh, since Pittsburgh has so many needs, will they take multiple picks? If so, who? Matt, it's almost more of a philosophical question that's asked by Del Rossi. Uh, but do you think that uh, if you're a team, a 57 win team, and the Pirates have been active in the Rule 5? Evan Meek. I know. Donald
1: Veal, who you just described. And John Rayner last year. Right. They've I would
0: expect them to be active. Do, would you be as active in the Rule Five if your team that's that bad because they're bad?
1: I would. I, I, you know, it's, I think it's a good, a good, um, good opportunity to buy some, you know, major league ready type talent.
0: And I, you know, for them, we talked about Anuri Rodriguez before. Do they have five starters better than Anuri Rodriguez?
1: <laughs> I don't think they do. Traditionally, they've leaned toward the left too, so Anuri could be especially attractive to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they just uh, obviously they DFA'd uh, Zach Duke. Zach they've Duke. got innings. Yeah. They, they need innings. You know, I think Anuri Rodriguez fits for them, yeah. and I wouldn't be shocked if the Pirates took a pitcher with a number one overall pick. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they traded it, but I do expect them to be active um, in Pittsburgh, uh, provided they're under 40. Again, I haven't checked every roster yet to see who's at 40 and who's not. Um, but I, I would expect them to be active. Uh, what else? Are, are there other expectations or general things that you wanted to make a point about with the Rule 5, Matt, before we uh, sign off on the podcast? We're we're positive it's a little bit shorter podcast today, but we uh, – as we've joked about already, we're on take two. Uh, take take one uh, lost to history somehow.
1: Uh, the point of um, minor, guys signing minor league deals and then being added to 40-man rosters. I like this idea. I think that's interesting. Uh, we saw that this off season, uh, minor league free agents like Eric Hacker got yep. a big big deal from the Twins, as did Al Albuquerque with the Tigers, and then uh, the Dodgers signed Hector Jimenez, a catcher from their Double A team. Signed him to a minor league deal and then added him to the forty man right before the, the cutoff date, which was November nineteenth.
0: Ra- not your average double A catcher. Here's a guy in his eleventh pro season, signed in nineteen ninety nine with the Astros originally. Oh. Twenty seven years old in double A this year and a very good double A season, but still odd to see a double A player, minor league free agent, signed on a major league contract. That is unusual. Yeah. Um and then there were some other players uh that we also kind of well Tim Wood we already mentioned is a guy who was a minor league free agent who wasn't protected. We've seen this happen a few times, have we not?
1: It, it does happen occasionally. Um, uh, recently, we saw with R.A. Dickey. Uh, the there you go. Twins signed him. Then the Mariners swooped in and <laughs> Rule 5'd him weeks later. I like the swooping. Um, I think there might have been another one or two we talked about. Josh Phelps, right? I think
0: Josh Phelps was one of them. That's was, right. Was a guy like that. He was a minor league Rule 5, uh, a minor happens. league
1: free agent. So, so when teams do sign guys to minor league deals between you know, the end of the season and November 19th, They have to be be aware of this. Because you want to be active. You want to be, to get those,
0: the better minor league free agents, you do need to be first.
1: Exactly. You need to be aggressive.
0: Right. And you, and that's important. You want to stock your AAA team. You want to have insurance. But do you want to waste, quote unquote, not waste, but do you want to use up a 40-man roster spot on those guys? And apparently these are three guys that, in order to secure their services, those organizations were up for giving up a major league, uh, you know, a major league pick, which is, Major League Rogers spot, which I think is surprising because that's costly, Mm -hmm. much more costly than picking a guy off the Rule Five draft for fifty grand. That's right. Um, We're about wrapping up the podcast though. Here, I did want to also mention uh, two other guys that I thought stood out on the eligibles list. There are a lot of really young Latin American or foreign signed players, Matt, Uh, but two who stuck out to me were uh, Ronnie Morla, no Ramon Morla, Ramon Morla, Ramon Morla out of the Mariner system, who was in the top ten of our Appy League prospects this year. And then Ismael Guion of the Reds organization, a left-hander who is kind of the Latin American Cody Scarpetta, if I'm calling him. <laughs> Guy who signed, contract was voided because of a pre-existing injury. Actually, I think he had Tommy John surgery. Re-signed with the Reds for a lower bonus. But because he had the contract voided and then re-signed with that same club, they have to protect him on the 40-man roster every year. And obviously this year they chose not to. He's out of the Arizona Rookie League. But he's been up to 92-93 with a – promising breaking ball, you know, he's got three, the makings of three average to plus pitches and he's left-handed and he's 18, 19 years old. Obviously the Reds gambling that he won't stick in the big leagues. I think that's a safe gamble to take, uh, but he's going to to be protected every year or exposed on the rule five. And a guy with that kind of arm strength and that kind of, uh, you know, repertoire at that young of an age, he's going to be interesting to watch. And then Morla, I think, uh, you know, you obviously know a lot more had a big year in the Appy league and, he fits the third base profile, Matt, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, he does. Uh, he hit 17 home runs, which we, we joked was Mitch Enert's right. ter- territory. That's right. Um, yeah, he he's projects to be a solid uh, third baseman defensively with the chance for uh, pretty significant power. Uh, you know, the question is, at this stage, he strikes out a lot, and the pitch recognition would be a uh, a pretty big mark against him in the big leagues right now. He might hit.
0: Under 0-50. <laughs> that would be an obstacle to jumping from <laughs> Pulaski to uh, the major league going down the Pulaski highway, as James Bailey <laughs> used to like to say um but yeah, I think the rule five is a fascinating exercise uh, I'm glad they didn't move it up Matt I'm glad they didn't remove it from the from the winter meetings. There was that rumor that it would move up oh. um you know do, do you like the current rules? I mean, do you think these, these current rules make sense? They seem like they've de emphasized the rule five, but it does seem like it's more
1: fair it is to give teams longer looks at their own play when you think about the top international guy signing at age sixteen, mm-hmm. you add them, you add five years to them, and they're still going to be twenty or twenty-one. Right. You know. Right. How do you know at that point? You don't. There's so. no way to know.
0: <laughs> so I think I think it is more fair with the money yeah. that's invested in these players up front.
1: It's more fair f- it's for or the, the development of these kids. You I know? agree. You know, letting them have a chance to develop in the minors instead of ha- having to worry about being in the big leagues in their fifth season.
0: How about Scott Boris' idea about posting minor league players? Did You see that idea? I saw that
1: a little bit. What do you, What do you think about that?
0: I think that's crazy. I think it benefits uh,
1: <laughs> agents and players yeah. exponentially more than the teams. Oh, that was
0: kind of crazy talk. I mean, if you want to reduce the signing bonuses, the upfront investment that teams make, and then trade that off for more freedom for those players, I, I'm for that. Yeah. But I don't think that's what Scott Boris was talking about. I, I think the teams do invest a lot of money in these players. It would be nice in some way that they invested more, you know, in nutrition, better coaching, you know, better travel. You know, making sure that there's no team playing in Bakersfield anymore. You know, nothing against Bakersfield, but just that field is a joke. If you haven't read it already, read the Business Beat in this last issue. They gotta get, they gotta do something in the Cal League about Bakersfield. I believe it's the Reds who are trudging out to Bakersfield next year as their affiliate. And uh, I mean, it's a joke. It's just not good for baseball. And he had a dangerous situation this year with a player struck by a ground ball that took a crazy hop off a rock and hit him in the throat, and he had to be rushed off the field in an the ambulance. I mean, it's just not a safe field, and it's just very rare that you have people go on the record as stridently against that field as we did in this issue of Baseball America. Uh, The writer from Bakersfield doing that story about how bad Bakersfield's situation is. So, yeah, I think that uh, that's where I'd like to see more money invested uh, myself, Um, and I think the team, the clubs do, you know, shoulder the burden of development, unlike other sports. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense. The players have a little bit less movement; they're a little bit more restricted because the clubs invest more in their development. Even if it's even if that investment amounts to, you know, fifty peanut butter and jelly sandwiches a night for the rookie level team, that's stuff that you don't have to do in the NFL and the NBA. So it's a cost that's a different for Major League Baseball. Eats up a small chunk of their revenues compared to other sports. So yeah, I think it's it's uh, I, I do think that I, I thought both, I thought I understand where Scott's ideas were coming from. And they're interesting to discuss. And I think actually while a lot of the ideas that Boris floats seem self-serving, I think he does try to – I think he loves baseball. I think he does try to do things that he thinks are better for the game. Um, So I I, I like his World Series idea. I didn't agree with. But it was interesting to add two neutral site games to the World Series. Um, That was an interesting proposal. Um, I don't agree with it. But I like it when Scott floats his ideas. I don't mind that he f- that he uh, thinks outside the box and is willing to be quoted about it, too. I don't I don't mind that at all. It uh, makes for – it's interesting writing, Elaine. We'll so put it that way. We'll, it's a good way to wrap it up. Um, if you have questions for our podcast next week, we'll podcast from the Rule 5 draft. As soon as it's over, Matt and I will gather in a corner room because we're not flying out immediately afterwards, I don't believe. Are you flying out immediately afterwards? Not on
1: Thursday, on Thursday night.
0: That's one of my favorite parts about the Rule 5 also, <laughs> that they do it in a big ballroom and most of the scouts and big league and the front office officials bring their luggage to the room and set it off at the side or back of their chair cuz as soon as the rule 5 is over they get their stuff and they're out the door to the to the uh end of the airport to to fly out of Orlando or wherever it is uh, last year people could not wait to get out of Indianapolis but it wasn't just Indianapolis they do that everywhere even in Orlando so uh, i love that aspect of the rule 5 as well it's, there's a randomness to it uh, that uh, intrigues me and interests me. And, uh, makes it—it's a unique event in baseball. I think you don't get everybody together and have a draft like that. I wish we did that for the regular, for the real draft. You know, with
1: yeah.
0: uh, office full of executives uh, who actually are the people making the decisions, as opposed to Tommy Lasorda. You know, Tommy Lasorda doesn't go up for the mic for the Rule Five, and the great Los Angeles Dodgers are gonna pick like they do for the yeah. for the amateur draft. Uh, but anyway, we're both looking forward to it. We hope you have Rule 5 fever, too. I do encourage you to check out Matt's uh, 10-year, really, compendium of the Rule 5 that's free at BaseballAmerica.com. I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by MLB.com. You can do the special MLB.com offer, not the MLB.com offer, I'm sorry, MLB Network offer at BaseballAmerica.com for four issues for $4. Check out our special MLB Network offer. So for Matt Eddy, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.